No more defenses. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, air force, everything wiped out. Maybe the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. Welcome to Media and the End of the World. I'm Adam Kroom coming to you once again with my co-host, Ralph Bellavo. Ralph, how are you? I'm, I'm great. It is great to be back with you. We are I'm, excited to be recording in the brand new podcast studio. Yeah, I think we can, at the moment, we can call it the Tony McCoy Memorial Studio, uh, although Tony's still with us, but... Um, but but uh, one of our, our our tech people here at Gaylord College at the University of Oklahoma worked very very hard to get this put in place, and it's it's awesome. It's super cool. Yeah, and the, and the, one of the big advantages of this room over where we where we usually record is a is a very dark, very equipped, yeah. stuffed little. Room. It's a great room, and it sounds good. Uh, but it's definitely dark. It has no, it, the only window is to the hallway, and you all know how that works. Yeah. But the window here is actually to the outside world. And so as I'm listening to our intro, you know, I'm, I'm listening to our intro stuff, which I've always loved. You did an amazing job putting that together. But I look outside and then I picture kaiju monsters like <laughs> knocking down buildings across the street. So, I, <laughs> I have to say, um, Ralph is the only one who really has to experience this on a regular basis. But about half the time that we would walk into our old studio, something was wrong and uh, was trying to figure out had the board, we, we, we had a, we're going to get real inside baseball real quick, but it was a, a, a 128 channel mixer Yeah, for what we were doing. Yeah, it was basically something you'd use to, to Mike Neal Pert's drum set <laughs> and have an individual channel yeah. for each thing that he hit. Yeah. It was like a, it was like the cockpit of a 747 and we've, we've moved now to a four channel mixer yeah. uh, with our own triggers. Uh, so we can, we can trigger up, you know, uh, Something that's, you know, if, if, if we say a good joke, uh, we can be proud of it and uh, hit a little bit of a, wow. or something like that, uh, you know. The digital cutting edge of Lots cheese. Lots of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely more podcast. The other room really was much more of a audio sweetening space. Yeah. So, uh, but now we're in the world of a big square, one inch square button that says, wreck on it. <laughs> and I would imagine that you don't push that button and then your building is invaded by, you know, monsters and zombies or anything like that, no. like the film of the same title. No. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it will provide some interesting differences in terms of how we can operate and things like that. And I think most of all, and this is something that of course no one would know also is that when we record these things, we're actually sitting at right angles to each other. That's true. So we're both looking at the volume meters of our voices <laughs> instead of each other. So uh, this, this will actually allow us to like uh, anticipate, do hand signals, engage, do the cross your throat thing when you want somebody <laughs> to stop talking about something. All the, all the good things that make radio the beautiful thing that it is. Yeah. Anyways, no one wants to hear our, our geeking out, but oh. we are, we are really geeking out. We're super thrilled to be in this new space. We're trying, testing out some new models for the podcast as well. We're going to try some segments uh, and then see uh, how those work. Uh, one, our first segment that we're doing today is called Fact or Fiction. 
We'll do this on a regular basis where we go over a story and talk about uh, where, where the media may or may not have got it wrong right. or right and how, how this kind of media spreads. And, and partially in order to not contribute to the general confusion about truth and it, or its lack thereof in the world. We are, and we will probably approach this differently depending on the individual issue, but the, the basic principle is something that has been developed by the Pointer Institute called the Truth Sandwich. Have you heard of this? No. The Truth Sandwich. I've this heard is of what the I, feedback sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the idea of the Truth Sandwich is that part of what's confusing is that people hear the first line of something and then tune out. So yeah. if the first line of something is uh, horse paste tastes good, for example, right? you don't get to the, oh, and by the way, it also causes sterility, which is an unproven claim, by the way. But um, so the idea of the truth sandwich is that you never start with the problematic thing. You start with the true thing and then you go to the problematic uh. thing and then you go to the truth thing again. So, so the idea, so true sandwich starts with the truth. The first frame gets the advantage and then second, indicate the lie, avoid amplifying the specific language if possible. And then third, return to the truth. Always repeat truths more than lies. And I, you know, I mean, there's kind of a lot of, this is all based on work that George Lakoff did. Um, and, and it has to do with, you know, how you kind of communicate to people without making the confusion even worse, which we all contribute to, you know, just through basic, you know, storytelling and stuff like that. But, but since that's part of what this podcast is about, it's about how to find strategies to, uh, to get a better grasp on the world and to also turn a critical eye toward, you know, pretty much every piece of it. Uh, we will try to, to do stuff like that. Sounds good. So that's the plan. So speaking of horse base, I'll start with the truth. In Oklahoma, Ivermectin sells, uh, is, is a popular product. <laughs> <laughs> now, first of all, there's a lot of horses in Oklahoma. That's right. So a lot of places th- to get it. Right. So there's a, that's a true reason why there would be a lot of people buying Ivermectin in Oklahoma. Honestly, this, we're going to get off topic really quickly. <laughs> One of my favorite stores to go to is Atwoods. Atwoods is awesome. I, I just love walking around sort of the, 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 the yeah. a horse supply store, or farm right. supply store, tractor yeah. supply store. Yeah. There's different versions of this across the country, but, but Atwoods, because the, the town we're in is sort of at the, at the boundary of the Oklahoma city metropolitan area Correct. and then rural areas. Yes. So there's lots of people who are definitely not urbanites who go to Atwoods for, we'll say things like baby chicks. Yes. Which they sell. They sell in these yes. big aluminum tubs and they all kind of run around. Yes. Atwoods is like the, it's a, it's sort of like a rural Walmart in that you can buy, uh, you can buy food for your horses and your dogs and you can buy baby chickens, but you can also buy food for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of like country general type, uh, sub, you know, things like uh, jellies and candy and popcorn. And lots and, of flavored licorice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. a rainbow. And, uh, and, and ranch wear clothes yeah. and yeah, really good overalls shirts. and, yeah. uh, uh, fishing equipment. I mean, just everything about it. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's a, I feel like if I was, if I was bringing in someone as like a, as like a guest speaker at the university of Oklahoma and they had never been to a part of the country like Oklahoma, I feel like Atwoods is a great introduction to you know, a, a side of the world they probably never got to see before. So where I, I, I should know this, but where did you grow up? I grew up in Oklahoma city, in Oklahoma city. Okay. So you're a city kid. Yeah. I grew up in Chicago yeah. and the suburbs and yeah. stuff. So I'm a city kid. So seeing these things and we always knew, cause I think I, I, I had relatives that were in 
rural areas. And so I, but, but they were always then weird, right? Yeah. They were the other spaces from my city experience. So Atwoods kind of makes it more comprehensible. Totally. And I, I would go to Atwoods as a kid when, so my, my grandfather was from rural Oklahoma. Uh, he had moved uprooted the family to the city, quote unquote, the city, which is why I ended up growing up in the city uh, where my mom grew up as well. Um, but occasionally we'd go back to his hometown and on our way to the home, his hometown in Western Oklahoma, we had to stop at Atwoods. Like he loved, he, he also loved going to Atwoods. Uh, so I, you know, if, I, if I've got 20 minutes to kill, um, I'm, you know, happy to pop into an Atwoods or I'll take the, the girls to the Atwoods and get some candy and, uh-huh. you know, look at the baby chicks. So yeah. anyways, back to horse paste. Um, <laughs> so there has been a story of Ivermectin. Um, being utilized by other very famous podcast hosts, not to be confused with us, um, but folks So you're like, saying you have not. I have not. No, no, no. I, I have not. Knowingly. Can, can confirm that. Right. Joe Rogan has. Yes. Maybe, maybe that's why he's got the downloads and we don't, but <laughs> he, he, he contracted it. The story, the stories, um, one of the stories out of Oklahoma, which I, I am at fault for passing on, uh, I had saw a story on rollingstone.com, which was basically saying that, um, there were so many folks in a specific part of Oklahoma that were flooding, you know, an ER because they had taken ivermectin that folks who had been shot could not get assistance in the ER. That was the story. True or false? I, I have to venture a guess now. I, I would say that it's a half truth. And I would say that because I wouldn't be surprised if hospital bed capacity was really restricted, but mostly because of COVID. Yeah. Because of. So, so yeah. So the controversy began uh, and CNN did a great job of sort of summarizing this KFOR, uh, an Oklahoma television station here in Oklahoma city um, ran a story. They had an article that was quoting a Dr. Jason Mc. McElly is, I believe how you say his name, an emergency room physician who works at various hospitals uh, in Southern and Eastern Oklahoma. Uh, and it strongly suggested that he was claiming that the use of ivermectin was the primary cause uh, for why there was hospital, hospital congestion. And that was sort of the headline that, that ran. Um, it seems like the, the quote itself was taken, uh, was given with very, very little context. Uh, to the part of which the hospital then came out and said, hey, this doctor um, hadn't even really been been working here very recently. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't really speak on behalf of us. Mm-hmm. In reality, he works at a lot of different hospitals. But anyways, the aggregation starts happening, right? And we see uh, folks like Rolling Stone running uh, articles with the headline, Gunshot victims left waiting as horse dewormer overdoses over uh, overdoses overwhelm Oklahoma hospitals, doctor says. And so that that goes out there. Then we see folks from the left start to tweet about this, including MSNBC host Rachel Maddow, who shares the KFOR piece with her followers, uh, you know, which which brings on onslaught of people um, frustrated about it. Then we also see folks on the right also start to jump to conclusions uh, and start to pass around sort of the note from the hospital as well and saying, CC, um, you know, they're saying that this guy doesn't even really exist. 
So it becomes this whole issue when reality, in, in reality, you're exactly right. Um, what the, what the doctor was essentially theorizing was, you know, it may be one of many reasons why there are hospital congestions right now, but not the sole one, you know, the hospital saying we haven't seen, uh, you know, any, but he's seen some at other hospitals, you know, that have, that are in the hospital because they took ivermectin. So it's a really, really complicated process, but you know, uh, which is only angered everybody on, you know, every side, right. Including Atwoods, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> well, you know, one thing about that that I think is uh, it, there's there's all, always, of course, lessons in this and keeping in mind that part of the thrust of our podcast is to do the good work of media literacy in the world um, is, you know, one of the conditions that we're in in terms of of the relationship between audiences and the media is it there there's good cycles and bad cycles. And one of the bad cycles is that all of us, because of our, and I, I don't know if you do this still, I still occasionally click on something sponsored because it. Sure. Like, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I need to know that. Yeah. And just, you know, it's like I do the click and just before it changes, I see the word sponsored and I'm like, Oh, got me again. Right. Yeah. So, so part of the problem is what we do as audiences, which is that we are reacting to things. We consume headlines and then move on. Uh, which and, and I want to talk about that in a little bit in a second about what the what the downside is of moving on, but um, but but one of the tricks is that you've got to because of the because of the twenty four seven digital interactive media environment stories evolve and this is what I think gets lost is that you'll see an image you'll hear the first fragment of a story when journalists are first starting to cover something and they're still in the I'm trying to figure out what's going on here same thing you and me would do if we were got to a new location and there was something spectacular happening and we were trying to figure it out. We'd put together bits and pieces. Um, but because of the 24 seven news cycle, there's such a priority on getting it you know, first and fast and engaging with the audience. And a part of our fault is as audience members, we respond readily to that just like clickbait, right? I mean, we go after where it seems to be hitting first and, and what we should know by now, but of course, this is much harder to teach, is to be patient, right? right. To realize that the first version of the story is tentative. It's probably going to change. And it doesn't mean that either you were being lied to or they were wrong. It just means that it, the details, the factual part of it hadn't settled yet. So, and part of the side effect of that, I think, and this all goes back to, um, you know, uh, several shootings is that when they're first evolving the story, there's speculation about what we, we saw an example of this with the, with the uh, uh, explosions outside the airport in Afghanistan, right? Cause the first reports were there were two explosions, one at one of the gates to the airport and one by this hospital in a little bit away, a few blocks away, turned out that that second explosion didn't take place, but that story got everywhere and then had to get corrected. So what we need to, I guess I, this, the thing is that what we need to learn as an audience is to realize that some of those bits and pieces, they're not, they're not something someone observed and then they're going to cover it up like some kind of conspiracy. It's like misinformation that happens that gets corrected. So, so it's, it's, uh, there are those who would say, well, that's naive because the media is trying to manipulate you all the time. But, you know, by the same token, if you follow just because of the priority and getting things out as quickly as possible, some of the early details of a story are speculative and you, the audience just needs to stick with it enough for those details to solidify. So that, that I think would be the case here too. Right. With yeah. what the person said, if only everyone would would have waited, we would have nothing to argue about on both sides, right? Like we could, we could have right. come together. That was the, that was the opportunity we missed. 
so here now here's the, a related one. Okay. Which and I'm I'm pulling this up off Snopes because I love Snopes, uh, despite its problems, which we can talk about now or another time if you want. Uh, which is the uh, the Snopes article? Did ivermectin win a Nobel Prize? Oh. What do you think? True or false? Uh, sure. Why not? It did. There you go. Ivermectin was developed to fight infections caused by parasitic worms. COVID-19 is not caused by parasitic worms. Winning the Nobel Prize does not impact a drug's ability to treat COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's Snopes doing the truth sandwich there, right? As they're doing the story about, you know, where this, uh, you know, it, it, it did win a prize because of the kind of, the scientist who developed Ivermectin won a Nobel Prize in 2015. And it sort of does a thing that sounds like it should fight COVID-19, but it does not. And that's sort of where the whole problem comes from. There so, you go. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. So uh, again, and of course this is just one thing on Snopes. And so if we've said it here and this is the first time you've heard of it, then, you know, it's, if you have the, this is the thing where it takes time and energy is you just have to make sure that what you're hearing is not from one source without any, Backup. I, I actually find, despite their problems, perhaps in the past with plagiarism and other weird things, I, f I still find Snopes to be, you know, a, a good source for checking on these things. Absolutely. And when yeah. speculation is out yeah. there. I think uh, Snopes and uh, Wikipedia are both sources that get, you know, fairly bad raps yeah. when in reality, um, I'd say that they're, they're fairly decent for... Um, I'd say more than decent for checking, you know, doing fact checking type stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. And some of that, you know, again, it's, it's again, looping back to media literacy things, it's understanding how they work and how transparent they are in what they're doing. And it's, it's things I still, when I teach classes, we should, we should actually do a whole episode about Wikipedia sometime. Yeah. Um, because the, all the tools to, to make them transparent are right there on the page when you're looking at them. But most people don't. Exactly. And that's, that's, you know, you don't have to, but if you want to understand how something, like, I wonder what the, I, I haven't looked, but I wonder what the ivermectin page on Wikipedia looks like. Right I guarantee now. you it's locked or yeah, it's locked, yeah. locked to a certain right. level. And so what does locked mean? Yeah. Yeah. Locked means. So, so what, what Wikipedia has is they have pages that, ha that could be, um, all the way from edited by someone who is not even locked into Wikipedia to you're required to lo be logged into Wikipedia to uh, a certain level of editors who have, uh, you know, through th through their their previous work, been able to reach a certain status of editors, um, get certain privileges to work on certain pages. So, um, for example, uh, you or me could not go edit the page for, uh, you know, President Donald Trump right now. Uh, that has been locked down to a certain level of an editor within Wikipedia. Um, you know, and, right. and the whole, and the whole point of that is, is to keep it from becoming a, a essentially an intellectual battleground. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and by the way, if you want to see the battleground, uh, that, that does exist. There's a tab on every Wikipedia page. Also it's the talk tab. And if you look in that, you can kind of see these are things that aren't necessarily on the front page of that person, but are being debated by the users of, you know, well, you know, cause Probably at one point someone said, well, this happened because this started, you know, th this started this thing. And someone said, well, that's not exactly the reason. Right. And what they end up doing is rather than just battling out on the page, they essentially end up moving that conversation to the talk page. Mm -hmm. And then they can come up with, you know, how they want to want to figure out how to word that as well. And it's fascinating to yeah. look at the talk page of some of the pages. It is. And also to look at, at the relationship between the talk pages and the history pages. One of the things that I'm going to talk about in a class in a couple of weeks is... um 
uh, a, a uh, it was an it was a the, the the gentleman who won the uh, Pulitzer Prize for criticism in 2021 um, didn't uh, did a piece that was essentially about uh, was a Black Lives Matter excuse me Black Lives Matter movement and other related things and one of the things he mentions in his article um, Wesley Morris is is the writer's name. Uh, and the piece he did was call, oh God, I look, I'll have to pull it up in a second. But, um, what he was, what he was talking about was, you know, people who were very important to the Black Lives Matter movement, including the, um, uh, a, a person who, um, was a very important, um, uh, African-American singer who, and he, as he says in the article, doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Mm. Most the most important person who doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Um, uh, she sings at, at, at all sorts of big events and things like that. Well, if you go look at the creation of the Wikipedia page for that person, it was actually created that day. Interesting. So someone read that and did it, you know, yeah. and, and, and corrected it. So, so it's an amazingly quick way to yeah. kind of go about doing it. But, but again, it's sort of like seeing it as a, you know, everything you, you just sort of have to like go with the fact that things change, you know, based on things happen. So for example, remember I was talking about the Pulitzer prize for, Mecton. So uh, there was a, there was a, a um, meme circulating that was a picture of William Campbell, who was the guy who won the Nobel prize. And so they had a picture of him and they had a quote and the quote said, my name, and this quote is not true. Here's truth sandwich in action. This quote is not true. The, he did not say <laughs> this. My name is William Campbell in 2015. I won the Nobel prize in medicine for the discovery of ivermectin. It cures many diseases, including COVID-19. That's not true other part of the sandwich, right? Uh, the fake news and big pharma want you to live in fear. <laughs> I love that stuff. Fauci won't promote ivermectin because he is the little parasite it destroys. <laughs> now, by the time you get wow. there, you should probably yeah. figure it out that, that there's a certain your, level of, of manure. Yeah. Are going yeah. off. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so the true, he did win the Nobel prize for this false is that it has anything helpful about COVID-19. So, uh, you got to go to class. We got a little bit of time left. If you want to end on something, we had, we had an idea for a segment of good news. I think, yeah, we, we were talking and I think we're going to try to segment the show a little bit. Um, so that, uh, you know, every 10 minutes, the, uh, the, the listener can get a breather there you <laughs> go. from whatever it is. Uh, but I did want to, uh, uh, share a piece of information that was actually, um, kind of a very cool thing going on in the uh, which is that uh, there is um, finally going to be, I don't know if you, um, if you recall, but there was a, a time when um, there were, there were a lot of uh, programs uh, that were dealing with the uh, Tulsa race massacre. Um, and, uh, and there were representations um, particularly uh, at the beginning of Watchmen of uh, a, a silent uh, black sheriff. Um, called Bass Reeves. And then of course, you know, they have that at the beginning because the central character is going to a film theater to see a Bass Reeves silent film. He's watching and his mother is playing the piano along with the film and everything like that, which is a really cool opening. Well, Eric Deggins, who is the media critic at NPR was doing a presentation. He was saying, you know, this is really great. The stuff they did in Watchmen was fantastic in terms of the, you know, generation of black superheroes and all that kind of thing. But why hasn't anybody ever made anything about Bass Reeves? Well, they're going to do it now. 
Cool. And David Oliwayu, whose name I'm sure I just butchered pretty badly as a production company. And they're going to be in the process of producing a Bass Reeves TV series. Wow. So I am, I'm very excited about that. So much like, you know, the, 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 the creation of the Wikipedia page for the person who'd been ignored. Sometimes the world hears these things. And now I don't know if David Oliwayu listened to Eric Daggins talk about it, but he certainly responded at a good moment and, and may have been inspired by, you know, the, 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 the idea of Bass Reeves being a real historical character, and I'm sure it'll be fictionalized in a way that's really entertaining and everything like that, but it's still an important thing that should exist in, you know, particularly in the whole mythology we have constructed about the American West. So. I think we had a good episode. Mm-hmm. I think we can do better next time. I'm so. excited to look forward to it. That's my feedback sandwich to end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we have successfully surrounded anything not true with the the, the the figures of truth around it. All right. Thanks, so, Ralph. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Take care.